Hello to all my autoimmune warriors. If you have found this podcast, that means that you do autoimmune disease differently. I am your host, Christy Burke. I am a nutritional therapy practitioner and a self-proclaimed AI warrior just like you. Let's get into the show. Just a disclaimer here. This show does not diagnose or treat or give out any medical advice. Any guests that we have on the show are simply stating their experience. My, my fight went even harder because um, I was like, that's awful. Then I was in contempt of court for talking about this case. I wouldn't stop talking about the case, but they interfered with the, they couldn't get any more IVIG because the insurance, they couldn't get the um, principals wouldn't talk to me anymore because the confusing court order. I mean, I was just like, so I was like, you yeah, know, okay, it's fine. So I, Watch that thing I dropped at Diva, and she said, there's only two parties. There's two parties in every subpoena, and only one of them really cares. And I thought, that's not true. How do you write a subpoena? So I said, I write 27 subpoenas. I, like, subpoenaed that. I found out who owned that hospital. That Anyway, so 27 subpoenas out and had my Manny, who I later learned was, like, illiterate. I'm like, you got to hand these out, and they got to sign them, and they got to take it, and you got to take a picture. So there he is for, like, three days delivering subpoena. We didn't know it was illegal to deliver one to a lawyer, so we did. But the, the secretary took it. So it's like, it, it was funny, but, I mean, they were like, some people send me stuff. They sent me stuff because, like, now I'm on my third attorney. Everybody's scared. I can tell they're scared, and they, they're like, you need to go see this lawyer. And I'm like, okay. So I go see this lawyer. Her name's Connie Regulate. She'd sued this judge before. Mm. And so something about like the judge would have to take herself off the case. And wow. she said, let's get that expert witness do an evidentiary deposition and um, schedule it. Which I didn't know what a deposition was because before I was a therapist, she's a court reporter. So I was like, I know what a deposition is. Oh, so wow. I write all my questions out. I'm like, I'm going to do a deposition. Then I get scared. And I call the lawyer and I can't pay her. I'm like out of money, you know? And I'm like, oh, I would run out of money right when it's time to find the right lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so, but she still helps me and she shows up. She does the deposition. My subpoenas went off like a bomb downtown Nashville. Her phones were ringing because I put care of mm-hmm. Connie regularly. Yeah. So we're building like a pro se site anyway, like to help people. So long story short right. is like they dropped the, not, they non-suited the petition against me just like that. Wow. All of a sudden, it was just going poof. Now, there's no matter. So the subpoenas don't don't work. And so when they did quash my subpoenas, all those lawyers showed up. Because, I mean, I subpoenaed Universal Health Systems, all their merger records. I need all the communications from the officers between this year and this year. It's like, like, And the judge like, quash, quash, quash. I, I just wonder how many kids are still in the juvenile system. 100%. And that's why I'm here. And that's why I'm so excited. And that's why I've taken such a long time to tell the story because any little nuance every single time, and we would go on through other facilities and I just, every, somebody would checked in, kids checked in, meds, Zitzermax steroids. I'm starting yeah. to learn the meds and what they're for. The kid's been sick. Two weeks later, he's doing something crazy. Um. And, and now you're going to jail and mom's bad mom. And I'm watching this thing happen. And I'm like, is this like, so then I'm learning autism. I don't know that. I'm seeing all these other symptoms because unfortunately we ended up in facilities and I'm not letting go of him, go of him at every facility like all the time. And I'm like, just, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, am I in Wonderland right now? Wow. 
So what happened with your son if you guys weren't able to get the second round? Well, when you look back and you're just like, you know, at a certain point, you're like, well, maybe that had to happen like that because I was so angry by this time. And I was like, forget it. I'm going to not figure this out myself, but I am just like done. Cause they were like, you're going to get contempt. You can't even talk to a doctor about your son. So I found a pandas conference. I, I don't know how I found it in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I got done at work at 10 o'clock at night and I drive all night, didn't sleep. And I get there and I took my molecular labs and just a few labs. I didn't know what to really pull and I didn't have that much. And I go and I sit there and listen to all those speakers and I'm in the front row. And it's so funny because I'm on Facebook now with the lady that actually sat beside me that day. And she was, I remember that day in 2014 and you looked at me and you said, I'm going to figure this out. And when I do, I'm telling everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I did say that because I was such a nerd in college. I mean, I had my recorder, you know, so I'm recording all the lectures and I'm listening and one speaker gets up and I'm listening to them and I'm like, I don't know. We can't get out of you. We can't get out of you. And he says, Dr. Rosario Trivoletti in, uh, you know, New Jersey, Ramsey, New Jersey. And he gets up there and he talks and he's brilliant. It looks like Einstein. And he's like, you know, to treat pain, you have to treat the infection. And I'm like, why infection? Cause I'm, I'm knowing it's an infection, but I'm still thinking it's confused antibodies, which still doesn't make any sense. Uh-huh. And I'm like, how do you know what the infection is? And so I was like, listen to the rest of them. I'm exhausted. I'm like, I've got to get that doctor to help me. Cause he's the only one. He he said you could treat that IVIG, and I'm like, okay. That stuck in my head. And so I went out to the lady, and I'm like, who organized conference? And she and I'm like, listen, I'm crying. I'm like, I got to get to this man. And there's all the moms are like around me. I'm like, he's like a god or something. <laughs> like what? At the well, I'm like pushing through the moms, crying. She goes, okay. When when we start again, I'm gonna tell everybody to sit down, and I'm gonna pause and not let him start turns back on it's gonna give you one minute you get whatever you want you run up there all the other moms sit down and i was like got it i go back to my seat i wait for the queue she's like okay everybody get to your seat everybody sat down and then i run over and i'm like and then he said he would help me i was just like crying because i was like he's so advanced i did i tried to tell the court stuff it's like what do you tell this one what do you tell that one and i was like we're in just a lot of trouble and so he goes okay when we get he gets back to Ramsey, new jersey jersey i send him some labs he goes the first thing we got to do is a bunch of labs i was like that's what i think so he sends me this lab order i still haven't gotten full custody back yet for some reason mm-hmm. and so i pick him up for 15 minutes and go, don't tell anybody run him over to williamson medical center get 37 vials of blood drawn he gets a band-aid on i go get him a shake or something take the band-aid off for a drop him off and they don't tell anybody you know and so i've got these labs and works i still don't know if i'm getting him back for good i end up getting him back and so then the lab results came back and only thing he had was mycoplasma hmm. and i'm like okay mycoplasma and then his strep pneumotiders and i'm like what's the strep pneumotider so there I am diving into what's a strep pneumotider. There's like 23 strains. There's this pneumovax. There's the, you know, that was like only covered 10 strains in 2010. Pneumovax 7, Prevnar, Prevnar 7, excuse me. Okay. But, but by the year 2000, okay, in two, I can't remember the years. In 2002, 2003, it covered seven strains. Then it went up to like 10 or 12 strains um, because others emerged. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. So wait a minute, they're suppressing. So then I learned that streptococcus pneumoniae, which is bacteria that resides in our upper uh-huh. respiratory, like like nasal ear infections, this kind of things, upper respiratory stuff. Um, 98 strains registered with the um, serotypes is what they're called, not strains, excuse wow. me. Any, 
microbiologist have to know this thing, but they are serotypes and you register them in this database. So I'm in the database going, there's like 98 kinds of this and they've only suppressed seven. And I'm just thinking it through and I'm like, okay, so more have emerged because they obviously put out to like 15, you know, Numivax, whatever now, Prevnar 12, 13, yeah, 13, six more emerged. So it's now like 10 years after that, where's the next one? And what's happening? Because you've altering, you're altering the trajectory of the bacterial kingdom. Right. Wow. And you cannot do that without consequence. Because if you think about the consequence of that, yes, we have meningitis. Yes, we had like, you know, life-threatening pneumonia and death, you know, at the turn of the century. We don't have that now. But what have we replaced it with? We've replaced it with um, bacteria that we don't know the symptoms of. Right. So is this the ADHD? Is this the OCD? Are these just symptoms of this? So I'm beginning to think, oh, wait, this super bug that he's got is like, because I'm like 19A, 19F. I've got a friend at this spa, like the only person that's say my friend. By this time, everybody thinks I'm completely nuts. And I do look like I'm either on drugs or have cancer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so she's like super bug, you know, and so 19A, it all comes. And I'm like, okay, I'm thinking this is, this is struck new up and how's it resistant? And I find that article by Pakikarai, um in Rochester that says he, he found 19A that was resistant to all antibiotics except levoquin. And I don't know if you've heard of levofloxacin, levofloxacin, levoquin, um, but it's Cipro, it's a fluoroquinone. Uh-huh. It's a really strong antibiotic, it, but they can't give us kids. So in my mind, I'm like, he's got 19A and we need fluoroquinolone. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking. And I'm like, so by this time I took him to other pandas doctor. He'd done Zithromax. I didn't understand what die-off was. He kept getting sick. Then the antibiotics would come, get over, but his behaviors would get better. It was all these ups and downs, all these ins and outs, like head colds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. So I gave him the Leviquin because we went to the emergency room and I showed her the paper. It's called, I said, call the CDC. She said, you need to give us this. Here's the labs that prove it. This is resistant. We need this antibiotic. Wow. Because I said, and he's not stealing your stuff and he's not really laughing at you those are love all emotions and he's having Tourette's tonight and he looks in he was like I'm to examine him first he looks and he goes well he's got a raging sinus infection I'm like how do you fucking know this he doesn't have a sinus anybody knows how do you know and I'm like okay, he has this red right here his eyes a little red and I'm like and this is starting to get red okay I'm like okay left sinus Left sinus, resistant strain. I'm starting to put it together. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? We can't take it to an ENT. Anyway, that doctor, a PA, gave me Leviquin. He goes, so you want me to give your son um, something that can snap his tendons? And I'm like, yes, because I don't want him to go back to solitary confinement for five weeks. I'll take a snap tendon. Yes. Please write the order. Yes. So she writes the order. I go over to the pharmacist. I'm like, is this going to stop his tendon? Because I'm like, and so the pharmacist goes, no, he's the size of a grown man. And so he gives it to us. Within three days, my son, I walk in there. Of course, by this time, we're watching house episode after episode. episode. Uh huh, of course. <laughs> what else are you going to do? And so I'm, I'm getting the hang of it. And after, like, he's the first day or two, he's like raging, like broke his toe, freaking out because I'm giving him the doses. And I'm like, okay, think, you know, this is the answer. You've seen it. Um, ammonia, bacteria that die, they give off ammonia. Ammonia, uh-huh. too much ammonia. Well, so I put him in an Epsom salt bath. Uh-huh. That was just my own thinking. So I'm this far on my own, which I think is pretty good. Yeah. I'm this far on my own, feeling it out. By day three, I walk in there. He's like, I've never felt this good. Oh my He's God. sitting there. 
like the IVIG had worn off. He was a wreck again. We got the sinus infection. I can't get, you know, and I'm like, I got to find the infection. Mycoplasma pneumonia is like, he had had pneumonia. That's what I'm thinking all the time, you know. So the Levaquin works, but we only had two weeks. At the end of two weeks, because I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I was right. But then all these questions like, what if I make it resistant? What if I don't want to have it long enough? I don't have any guidance. You know, am I going to get more? So I tell my, my client and she, she goes, you know, Elizabeth, um, I used to be a pharmaceutical right for them. I think I have some of that in my closet. And I'm like, what? You got Levaquin in your closet? She's like, yeah, and you can order that stuff online without a prescription. I'm like, what? Run up to the front in the spa. And I Google it. Order antibiotics online without a prescription. All these links came up. And I was like, oh. I mean, I just felt like I had won the lottery. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So there we were. I'm ordering antibiotics from everybody. <laughs> All the kinds of antibiotics. And so then after he stopped the Levaquin, the first round of it, the OCD came back. This time, he's like, he's going to help me figure it out this time. Because, like, something's changed in his brain. So he gets a lab coat with his name, and he sets up this lab in the, the garage. And he's out there with dirt and putting things on it. Label maker, like, a little baby scientist. So something shifted. Cute. <laughs> and I'm like, we need more level complaints. So I find an ENT. I go in, tell him the whole story. Try not to tell him too much story. And he's like, okay, I'll give you two more weeks. Well, after two weeks, he did great again for the next two weeks. And after two weeks, it starts coming back. I'm like, God, what's I want to do? And so can't get more Levaquin what's on the way. I've ordered some. So I am like, okay, there's there's another there's another variable because that should have been enough if that was only it. So I start thinking, okay, this is complex. There's uh-huh. more than one thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you've been assessing over this, go back to the labs with his mycoplasma pneumonia, mycoplasma pneumonia. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do better than this. So I by this time I knew about that full medical record, the legal one. So you have to go to the medical records. You have to check the box that you want the full legal medical record. You have to pay 75 bucks and it might be in a vault because from when he was a baby, uh-huh. I said, I want to see those. And so I got every single record, put them in a three ring binder. I don't know, maybe two or three of them because they were fat. And I sat there and I read every page, every page since he was born. And I started you know, putting it together. I was like, okay, so this strep pneumonia, I'm thinking, has been there his whole life. You know, it has slowly and I don't know how I figured it out, but I'm just reading and I'm looking at every single record. And I'm like, this thing that was all physical symptoms and fevers of 104, 105, a hospitalization, double pneumonia. I read it in the record where it said Zithromax didn't respond. And I said, it's resistant to Zithromax. Oh my gosh, it's resistant. I just keep reading, reading. And then I see that like at the age of five and six, those physical symptoms and the fevers slowly start going down. And slowly start very subtly, the very subtle changes becoming replaced in the record with like having some trouble at school, mm. having some trouble listening, but there's still some physical, but it's less. And now we're getting this. So um, in the third grade, he was diagnosed with ADHD and the, the behaviors that were described in the record was like, he's, he's raising his hand, jumping up and down. And then in the fourth grade, it's anxiety, but he still couldn't breathe. He couldn't catch his breath, mm. but it was anxiety, OCD. So it just keeps morphing. And slowly as these psych symptoms came to be, the physical symptoms slowly went away. It's an straight psych. So I'm like, okay, this is the misdirected means response we're talking about. So then after we make it to the doctor, we finally made it up to New Jersey. And he explains, he's like, it's like a cytokine storm which we're hearing all about right now, uh-huh. cytokine storm is supposed to trigger the fever center. Okay. 
to get the fever. But after it's been triggering the fever center for so long, I mean, it gets misdirected and it starts triggering near the amygdala. Wow. And I'm like, I'm listening to him tell his story and I'm like, he goes, and at this point, it's not too far based on this molecular result. So I think we can, and I'm like, this is not too far. What is coming next? And so I can think he's like, what, what is coming next? What do you mean this is not too far? So then I'm just like, okay, this doctor knows something. I'm in my recorder. I mean, I can do everything he says. I went home, did everything he said. We listened to it, typed it up, transcribed it, like looked up every word, got the next set of labs, you know, and, um, you know, he did get to a certain point. He was getting better. My son was getting some better, but I just kept feeling like there's something missing. I was uh-huh. still sick. My, my adopted daughter starts acting horrible, slamming doors. I'm like, how do you have ODD? You're not even genetically mine. Huh. Um, she comes in, she leans down. I feel like this all had to happen this one summer. She leans down and she goes, mom, there's something behind my ear, this huge boil behind her ear. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me right now? Like her house is infected with, what is it? We, what are we infected with? You know, uh-huh. it makes no sense. And so I take her to the doctor. I learned what I've learned. I was like, yeah, she's got a boil behind her ear. Didn't tell about that behaviors. Can we get antibiotics and can you culture it? Thinking that might give me a clue. No, we're not going to culture it. We look at antibiotics. Four days. Boil went down, sweet as pie again. I'm like, I'm done right now. I mean, all the hundreds of hours we spent therapy, done. And so I just went, I just went on my own. I wrote that down. I started reading it. I was like, okay. I'm like, this is mycoplasma pneumonia. There's nothing else. Spent, uh, got a $10,000 genetics test. My son didn't have a single genetic alteration. He didn't even have the gene for ADHD. He didn't have the gene for autoimmune. Wow. He didn't have the gene for literally anything nothing like five generations down if there was some chemicals presence when he's 35 one thing wow it was a yeah it was like a and so I'm just like what is neurobehavioral and I'm like okay they're telling me so ruled out the genes because also I did that because of my adopted kids getting those symptoms you know and I started putting it all together and I'm like okay the dog died early and then I'm mm. like okay mycoplasma pneumonia mycoplasma pneumonia what's in our house like I know it's not not pneumonia none of us have pneumonia but I start to get suspicious so I'm like I gotta find the mycoplasma pneumonia expert you know I gotta find somebody and by this time I'm like I'm gonna call the research because I found one article but there was really literally nothing about this organism right like it was really weird like and I'm not even a suspicious person like I didn't even know what a conspiracy was <laughs> until I went through that court shit Right. And then I'm like, that was some, that was some conspiracy (laughs) first land. So I guess the stage was set for me to be a little more suspicious Mm -hmm. because I was like, why is there research in India, research everywhere else? One article, I called a researcher that wrote the story and wrote the article and it was good. It was a good story, but it took me forever to read it because I'm not a doctor. And so I was like, looking everything up. 60 pages, I call him and I'm like, yeah, I think we might have some mycoplasma pneumonia. How do we test for it? I no longer, you know, work with that organism. If you think you have that, you need to contact someone. So I was like, oh, that ship sailed. Yeah. <laughs> they already know me. <laughs> so I'm like, but wait a minute, there's a research department over there. This is crazy. This is why we cry again because I call over there. I mean, because it's just like, think about it. It's Thursday morning. You get this weird call and you're like, oh, I've got an idea. You pick up the phone. Like, yeah. Research department. You call a lady, really answers the phone. That's like really probably a secretary. And you're like, hey, um, he talks to me about mycoplasma pneumonia. Um, it's it's an infection that gets in the cells. I didn't know that much from that guy's article. And she goes, Well, we don't have anybody here that studies that. Do you mean chlamydia pneumonia? 
And I Google it real quick and chlamydia money is also inside the cell. So I'm like, yeah, that's what I meant. Sorry. So she like, hold on. We do have someone that researches that. And I was like, and so then she sends me back to this doctor. I never forgot his name until like two months ago. This, uh, this whole thing comes full circle. He picks up the phone. Hello. And I'm like, yeah, this is um, really going to sound weird, but I need information on mycoplasma pneumonia. Um, that's what we have. That's what my son has. I need to be tested for it. There's something going on. And he goes, well, I studied chlamydia pneumonia. He goes, there's only one man in this entire country that studies that organism. And I'm like, whoa he goes that's dr garth nicholson and i'm like okay fine <laughs> and is darth vader available to him <laughs> because <laughs> it was kind of creeping me out so i like pull this website up and i look at it it's super outdated there's no judgment against dr nicholson he's so brilliant i mean he's like a cancer researcher who has time to like build a website but like mm-hmm. i'm right. looking at it and i'm like it's just yeah like he's leaning up against a monument. It's like imed.org. And I only say that because everybody in this entire country, if you're a doctor, a researcher, a pharmacist, any kind, you need to go to the site and you need to tell them every single PDF, every single article, and you need to read it like I did because I sit there and I downloaded and printed everything, hundreds and hundreds, and all the things that I was starting to become suspicious of uh, were that bad and worse because not only did mycoplasma pneumonia um, contribute to the Gulf War syndrome, to chronic fatigue, to fibromyalgia. But this wasn't the real mycoplasma pneumonia because there weren't pneumonia symptoms. This was extra pulmonary symptoms. Wow. How did that happen? So then I'm reading, reading, and I'm like, okay, this guy's going to know. And the other piece of the puzzle is because like when I saw the website, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to believe it. it doesn't look like a big you know, company. But I recognize the same because Garth Nicholson is the, the research scientist that discovered the phospholipid nature of the cell membrane. Wow. And put the paper out. And I had a test over that in cell biology like way years ago. So to me, he was like a hero because he just like discovered this thing. And so mm-hmm. I recognize his name. So anyway, come to find out, this is what happened. And this is the only explanation that made any kind of sense is like the United States Army Pathology Lab. I'm going to name names because it's important to know this. Like it's important to know how this happened. The United States Army Pathology Lab the um, Department of Defense, Baylor University, and the Texas uh, prison systems all were working together on a bioweapon, bioweapon testing. It was in the late 70s, early 80s. And what they did, and I'm going to tell you how I know for sure this is what we had later, but I want to tell you this part first because it's important to build it up because you're thinking, well, what does that have to do with any of this? Because they took mycoplasma fermentants. Hang with me because I know somebody will stop and rewind and I'll, I want to say it correctly. Mycoplasma fermentants, which is a fairly benign organism, usually found in the soil. Now, mycoplasmas, class moleculite, they're about 400. They're the smallest genome of any bacteria. Now, there are bacteria, but they have properties of a virus and behave as a parasite because they do not have a complete metabolic pathway. I know I'm going over, but just in case you're listening that can really grasp this, That's I need okay. them to understand Good. that they're missing the um, Krebs cycle. And so they can only, they can only feed on simple sugars. Ah, uh, okay. Only feed on simple sugars. So they act as a parasite because they get inside of our cell via a P37 adhesion protein on our cell membrane, mm-hmm. they adhere, they infect our cells, they colonize inside the cell. Mm-hmm. 
And that is where autoimmunity comes from because they leave their antigens on the host cell wall. And so the antibodies come up to create, you know, antibodies are formed as needed. So this antibody is created that is against this antigen and also host cell proteins. So it's like this mutant. And all of a sudden, the first of my life, I understood why they had to dumb down molecular mimicry. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is confused antibody. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> very confusing how this happens. So then these organisms get inside of our cells, they're very slow growing. Um, and so they took mycoplasma fermentins and they, um, I jumped ahead of myself, sorry. Mycoplasma fermentins for these reasons that I just mentioned, because it's so confusing. And they took it and they um, mutated it. They genetically spliced in Trobosomes, trobosomes, parts of the DNA that code for pathogenicity. Uh-huh. Wow. So you could take a bacteria that lives in a volcano and take out the gene that allows that bacteria to survive in that volcano uh-huh. and transpose it into another organism. And now all of a sudden, well, this organism can't be killed by heat, mm-hmm. which is very beneficial if you're in Kuwait mm-hmm. or and you don't want an organism to die. Right. It's a casualty of war when somebody like us catches it and a fever won't kill it. So what they did was they also spliced in parts of EBV. This is why everybody thinks that mono is like late mono is the problem. HHV6, there's your roseola uh-huh. in another strain, and HIV, parts of the HIV envelope wow. protein in 10 to the 10th power. They took it and they tested it in the Texas prison systems on death row inmates. Plausible. Except what they didn't consider was the fact that these prisoners, while the mycoplasma fermentins was not airborne, they did not consider that the prisoners were also carrying strains of mycoplasma pneumonia, strep pneumonia. And so there is genetic transference that takes place. I mean, it's bacteria that have been in three billion years. They know how to survive. Right. <laughs> They're going to acquire the most virulent parts of anything that they can, you know, translate to. And so now the mycoplasma pneumonia is weaponized. Basically it is airborne, strep pneumo, resistant staph, and remersa. Yeah. Wow. I think we first heard of that. So anyway, wardens, um, prisoners spreads out in the community of Huntsville, Texas. It's back in eighties within like a few years, five years, the rates of ALS, MS and rheumatoid arthritis are literally 5,000 times higher than that of any of the rest of the country. And so it's slowly like just spreading, is spreading the autoimmunity, the ADHD, this combination of the strep pneumo emerging strains with the mycoplasma that's been genetically modified. I'm like, okay, okay, yes, Elizabeth, that was a really hard problem. That was a very difficult problem. And uh, this is a lot. And so I'm like, okay, now you're infected with bioweapon. And, and this makes sense because you're reading it and all these symptoms and everything you're reading is like, like this. It's just lining up. It's making Everything's sense. Flying. He says because he flipping says that the animals can catch it. Wow. And I'm like, that's why our animals have died at early death. And I've spent so much on keeping them alive and everything that's been said. You know? And if I went back through my whole history, housekeepers that got breast cancer, employees that went I mean, out of 50 employees in 10, 15 house employees, I mean, like, that come to the house, and, like, everybody had either, that's how I know what all it can cause, because I watched it happen over 10 years of torment. You know, I watched this one get sick with this one, I watched this one get, and so then I was like, 
And I immediately knew where we'd gotten it because back in 2003, we had let my, my brother-in-law at the time come and stay with us. And he had been in the Texas prison systems. Um, he'd gone down there wow. for like a short stint for something and he hated it. It was some, and I, he had like lost his shit since he came back. Because he was a hairstylist. He was coming to work at the spa. That's why I opened the salon. The salon and spa. He was going to do the salon. But I mean, he was Jack. I mean, he was like, what's the thing? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He'd mm-hmm. gotten on drugs. He got diagnosed with HIV. He got testicular cancer. He'd lost his hair. Wow. And I remember, because it's all back in time, I'm like, I went all back to when he moved in with us. I mean, he was a little off before that. But at this point in time, he moved in. We all got deathly sick in, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks after he got there. Wow. Didn't really know it's from. He didn't get sick. We got deathly sick, nine days of, like, this horrible thing. And then we got these huge boils on us. Now we know it's from Mercer, but this is 2003. Nobody knew it. So that's when it all started. That's what happened. And my son was two at the time. You know, and so it's just, I guess, lucky, if you will, that we got such a virulent strain. But, I mean, I cried for three days. Yes, we're infected with bioweapon. I called my brother-in-law. He was still alive at the time. He's not now. He died, like, last year. Mm-hmm. And he's on 42. And um, I asked him, and I asked him, was there sick people there? Did he know anything about it? Yes, yes. Long story short, we got the protocol from Garth Nicholson, followed it, ordered everything from India, did it myself. And um, it was not easy. It took a long time. And now we're not cured because we still have the confused antibodies, but we're fine. Wow. Yep. So what is the protocol? Uh, just, you I mean, know, the basics of it. Antibiotics? Well, there's antibiotics, but you have to go through all of them. I mean, I did. I was like, there's no way I can help people giving them antibiotics that's illegal and go to jail. And right. now I've got trauma off of court. And so I found the Zyto scanner. I mean, and I programmed it, 16,000 biostressors. So we read like galvanic skin response to stressors. And then I found this um, line called nutraceuticals. Uh-huh. uses targeted transfer uh-huh. factors. And I'm like, oh, wow, because it's brilliant criminals. Now you got some, you know, brilliant geniuses over here that are not criminals. So it's like, this is awesome to watch this good, evil thing play out because, you know, we've been able to help so many people. And it's just like, we've been able to help so many people. I mean, Parkinson's and, um, you know, now we have, we have a medical director that can help. We have a researcher. And so it's wow. just been really exciting. Wow. So, and I'm so sorry I took so long. I really tried to go shorter, but <laughs> it's been like two and a half hours. I can turn this into a seven-parter. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's okay. So, week six, yeah. finale. <laughs> yeah. No, this this gets me through like months of, you know, podcasts. I'll just, you know, put them on down the line. I'd really like to connect with all of my listeners, so please find me on Instagram or Facebook at berkspharmacy.com. You can also find me at aiwarriorpodcast.com, and I also have a Facebook group that is called Autoimmune Warrior Podcast. I'd like to really connect with everyone. Podcasting is such an invisible way to talk to one another. So please find me on that Facebook group. You can have access to um, bonus video content like full-length interviews and outtakes. And we can connect as a community. So let's get connected. And until next time, be kind to yourself.